Hello and welcome to a special edition and bonus episode of Try Talking Sport with me, Joanne Murphy. And me, Helen Murray. So for those of you who don't know Helen, she is a keen endurance athlete who herself takes on mammoth challenges from multi-day cycling adventures to hill walking, triathlon to ultra running and pretty much everything in between. She is also one of the best, and I mean the best, podcast hosts you will come across with a fabulous, friendly style who gets the most from her guests every time. Oh, thanks, Joanne. So for a little bit of background, basically during lockdown, Joanne and I decided to come together to host the Tri Commute. It was a really relaxed, interactive gathering with listeners and a live guest from the world of triathlon. We did it on Zoom on the last Friday morning of the month, and it was so much fun. But once people started to go back to school and back to work, it was a little bit hard to make it all happen. So we put it on pause. But we really knew that we wanted to do it again sometime and celebrating some of the amazing female performances at the Ironman World Championships in St. George seemed like a perfect reason to host another tri-commute. It was slightly different to usual, but oh my goodness, what a show. That's for sure. What a show. Put the two of us together with some of the fastest females on the planet with a glass of wine and it was lots and lots of fun. Now we did stick to a Friday, but this time we moved it to an evening edition and we're thrilled to be joined by so many listeners. It's difficult to find a time to suit everyone though, so we decided to record the interview part of the show and release it as a podcast, which is what you are about to hear. We're so grateful to our partners, Nuasan, who came on board to support this event. We had spot prizes on the night and everyone who registered for the Tri-Commute received a cool 20% discount code. So if you listen closely, you might hear the code being mentioned. And if not, pop me an email and I will send the code to you. Send it to trytalkingsport at gmail.com. We're kind of sound like that. You can check out the skincare and body care recovery products from Nuasan on www.nuasan.com. So enjoy the next hour of chat and laughter with some of the world's leading female long distance triathletes. Welcome to the Tri-Commute Special Edition, the St. George Special, celebrating our amazing female athletes who had some fantastic times and performances at the Intermountain Healthcare Ironman World Championships presented by the Utah Sports Commission. My name is Joanne Murphy and I'm joined tonight by Helen Murray of the Inside Tri Show and we are so excited to be here with our guests. So before we get underway, Helen Murray, how did this event actually come about? So I think I was six o'clock in the morning. I think I was probably doing a bit of Welsh homework and I sent you a message and I said, we need to hear about what it was like in St. George. How, how do you reckon? What do you reckon? Should we do a tri commute like with you? And you said. I said, no, not with me. Let's pull in some of our amazing professional athletes from the UK who did us all so proud over in Utah. And let's also bring Hilary Hughes, our up and coming professional athlete from Ireland, fastest amateur athlete for the ladies, both in Ireland and the UK. So we are delighted to have you all here this evening. But Helen, it's funny what happens in a haze of jet lag and travel. I think I was over the Atlantic. Most important question of the night, how is your Welsh? Diane Dioch. Dwi'n mwynhau siarad Cymraeg, ond mae'n Cymraeg yn galed iawn. Okay, Fenella, will you translate for us? Bwna da? I can't remember much else. Right, I don't really know what I said either, Fenella, don't worry about it. So yeah, okay. my Welsh is um, progressing, Joanne. That's really good. Totally. It's such a hard language. That's yeah. what I said. I said it's very hard. Okay, <laughs> yeah, I knew it. 
Close it in. <laughs> Helen, I'm going to hand over to you, let you start interviewing and chatting about our guests this evening. Perfect. Well, yeah, it's such a pleasure to have everyone here. So we have, we're going to have Kat Matthews, who was second. Thank you, Kat. Ruth Assel, who was fifth. Laura Siddle, an amazing seventh place. Fenella Language, who was eighth. Nikki Bart, who was 13th. And then we have Hilary Hughes as well, who was second in her age group and fourth age group athlete overall. And it's a pleasure, absolute pleasure to have you all here. <laughs> I like it. It's mad. Kat, starting with you, has your phone stopped ringing yet? <laughs> uh, context. When we were doing an interview earlier in the week, it rang about, was it twice? Just twice. At least twice. It was twice. But cool news is that that was a new contract, so that's fun. Um, yeah, it's settled down, <laughs> but it's been a, it's been a fun adventure to yeah, I don't know. I look forward to the rest of the season. I guess that's what's quite cool about having a really big race at the start of the season is that it gives us as professionals the opportunity to say, look, we're actually quite good at this. Can we? You know, we haven't had a big race for two and a half years. I mean, a few of us have never raced in a professional world champ, so it's a great it's a great sort of platform to then be like, cool, Kona's in five months. Do you want do you want us to represent you in five months' time? So it's a it's a lot of work, and it's it's hard to get the balance right between chilling out and enjoying, and then trying to capitalize on the professional side of the sport. I guess. Ruth, how was your first time as a professional at the Ironman World Championships? Um. Yeah, definitely quite different to being in an age grouper in some ways, but also lots of similarities. Um, and there were definitely moments that I felt like even more of a chopper than I ever have done before. Uh, like checking the day before where I hadn't put any of the stickers on my bike and I turned up and they nearly didn't let me in. When I was having a right old flap, Cat had to basically take me aside and turn, <laughs> calm me down. <laughs> um, I think just gem- like there's loads of things that, actually made it feel like a world champs um and actually made it feel like a pro race like there's some pro races where you turn up and you feel like you're not really wanted or an important part of the event um but actually for this race like it definitely felt like we were a big part of it I felt like we were generally treated like really well and made to feel quite special and yeah it was a pretty epic experience. Vanella and Sid one of you can answer first right were you or were you not having like the most epic of ding-dongs on the run? There's a lot of toing and froing, that's for sure. But it was really lovely. Like Sid was so encouraging and I'm afraid I don't think I gave as much back as I could have. I was not much there to say or, but yeah, it was cool to, well, especially with another Brit to be encouraging each other to help each other get to the finish line in those conditions. So I'm very thankful I, I guess I'm just thankful as the old bird in the uh, group, a lot older than these uh, other women that I can still like uh, give a good race. And like it was um, it was awesome to see Kat and Ruth up there, obviously, and Fenella, first world championships, absolutely crushing it, uh, especially like having had the last couple of years with, with no races and then coming all of them, I think, with the with the greatest respect from age group to suddenly like absolutely killing it on the pro fields, which was really amazing to see. Um, battles with Fenella, I'll say, watch out for her in the future. She's got a lot more to give. I've got two two nil over her on races of passing her in the last five k, and I know my time is up soon. Um, and I also would like to say, I gave Fenella my water bottle 
in the race that Alex Yee has had like world acclaimed fame <laughs> giving uh, Hayden Wild his water bowl. No one captured that on camera. Um, but also, you know, having Nikki there, just having such a strong British contingent was really, really impressive and proud to be. And again, like I'm going to say it as being, I, I mean, I still feel I'm pretty new in the sport, but not as new as these other women and just seeing them come through is it's really encouraging for the for the sport and the future of not just British triathlon but the the sport of triathlon as a whole. Nikki, right? What was it like for you actually landing <laughs> in America, like arriving in St George, and kind of being there? Given, I mean, you were pretty much bed bound earlier this year. Yeah, to be honest, it was a terrible winter, but um, I got a really good block of training in. Uh, I'd say like a good eight weeks where I was doing all three disciplines. I didn't have the performance I wanted to on the day but obviously very proud to be there but I I did only I did go because I thought I could be competitive like I didn't just go to kind of make up numbers um but unfortunately it didn't quite turn out the way I planned on race day but that's sport um but yeah it was amazing to be back so I absolutely loved St George had an amazing time at World 7.3 Champs and had good memories we've got a lovely homestay the Red Rock is insanely beautiful um so yes yeah, so it was amazing to be back and I'm here in my bed to hopefully get my spot for World 7.3s later on in the year to go back there. Amazing, amazing, amazing. Uh, we, we'll, we're going to like come back to all of you, but I want to ask Hilary a question as well to begin with. And Hilary, what's that now, this evening? I know you said a little bit earlier, you're a little bit, and I'm going to say it, you're a little bit nervous about kind of being here with everyone else. And we're like, no, you definitely yeah. need to be here. <laughs> no, I mean, the 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 league of women that are on this uh, <laughs> podcast is outrageous. Like, um, and I was joking with Joanne. I was like, are, are you bringing me on to, to maybe ask me to stop stalking them online? Because <laughs> I know you all. <laughs> but, you know, it's really cool. And, I, you know, it, thank you for including me. Um, I, you know, I know that some of you made a journey from age groupers to where you are now. Um, so it's, it's not completely foreign to you um and age groupers are a massive part of the sport um so yeah thanks a million for having me on <laughs> do, you, do you find it kind of quite inspiring having you know the likes of Ruth who just two and a half years ago was overall age group world champion oh yeah definitely I mean look I do I follow you all online um I watch what you do I aspire to to get a, a, a tenth as good as you guys um Ruth went you know, she was on the, the Zwift um, Academy team. I went for it after following you. Got close, but didn't get close enough. Um, I've I've followed Nikki since I think she did the 70.3 in Dublin. I thought she was amazing. Um, and yeah, I've, I've been watching you all. I mean, I spotted you all in St. George as well. I was shouting at you as you were running. Um, so yeah, it's, it's really, really cool. Um, to have I think with social media you know it's so cool to have people accessible to you um to watch what they do to try and mimic it and I suppose real you know see that it is possible um and that you know it's not necessarily a straightforward line either um I think the ladies online here in particular are really good at you know um saying it as it is um and being quite honest about their journeys um and and that makes it seem even you know more real um if not excess you know maybe uh still it feels a little far away to reach up to but it, it you know it's it's real the journey that they give us so yeah please i'd love to know what what advice would you have now for Hillary in her shoes she's going to take her pro card later this summer oh advice um 
Like that's, I think that's just tricky because I think if you've got to this point uh, and you're getting your pro card, like you're probably so far along that journey already. I'm not sure how much useful stuff I could give, but I think probably the main thing I would say is hold on to what you like love about it. Like it should still be fun as a pro. Like it, you, you should be doing it because you really want to do it. Otherwise you're probably not going to get that far because you'll be dreading the training and not enjoying it. Um, you know, like for me, there's lots of days where I wake up and I'm like, you know, if it's pissing down with the rain, it's like, oh, I'm not sure I want to go out. And then I just have to think, well, I mean, the other, <laughs> the other option is that I could be waking up at five o'clock in the morning and going to the office for like a 10 hour day, which I know what I'd rather be doing. So, um, yeah, like continue to enjoy it. Don't feel like you suddenly have to increase everything and don't believe everything you see on social media. Like I know people <laughs> generally are better at giving some more of the honest picture, but yeah, like I'd say my volume has increased a bit. Um, but the main thing that I've increased is like sleep and recovery. And that is probably the biggest difference you're going to get from being age group to pro is what I found. Ruth, how was the um, how was the after party as a pro? <laughs> uh, well, I mean, St George is like the worst place for an after party because like no alcohol anywhere. <laughs> um, no, we managed to find like the one bar, uh, and actually it was really epic because uh, we actually ended up going to the same bar that Daniela came to, and I think my initial kind of fangirl correction Ruth she came to our bar oh yeah okay she came to our party basically Kat invited her and she's now like Kat's number one fan so uh <laughs> yeah no it was really cool so it, like it was actually it was very chilled uh from a you know we just had some like nice drinks and chats and yeah it was not quite on the level of the Kona after party because there wasn't much dancing but I think we can save that. I feel like I'm not sure I could handle a Kona after party at this time in the year. It's not, it's it's not like Huggos, is it, though? It's no. a bit more spaced out. You haven't quite got the beachfront and the, the sandbar to, uh, to no. go to. It was, like, it was really nice there. I felt like it was a good mix of being able to hang out with the people I wanted to hang out with post-race um, and be able to like relax and enjoy it. But yeah, not be too ridiculous. <laughs> If she dropped the Umeke bowl this time, it would break. Whereas, um, you know, in Kona, if you drop the bowl, it's not going to break. So, Oh, I know some people that broke their bowls. <laughs> not me, but I know some people that did. <laughs> it's possible. I managed to get mine home yeah. on three days of flights in a third carry-on baggage. And it was on my back as I walked through my apartment door in Girona and I swung round and clattered it against the door and my heart just sank going please don't tell me I've just got six bags over three days of travel and I've broken this bowl in the, and thankfully because it was wrapped in the iron man towel <laughs> it was okay but I was like panicked that I've like got back over three days and I'm now going to break it on the last five meters into my house <laughs> I was going to ask, um, Kat, tell us more about the uh, best friends with Daniela thing. I feel like I've laboured this way too much. <laughs> um, no, she's just a really cool competitor. It was cool that um, we were actually able to race for a bit. I think like I've I've never really, I can't like think of many experiences that I've been in a race where I've actually been like racing someone, which sounds really silly, but I think in the in the female professional field, and I guess it's similar in the age group field, is that you're 
you're aware of where people are roughly, but you're never you're never so close that you're actually racing someone. And I knew that there was, you know, this window of opportunity where I thought I was strong enough to to hold that. And I obviously wasn't. Um, but we had this sort of, yeah, like a proper race, I guess. Um, and in a world championships, the, just the idea of that was ridiculous. Obviously, we each had a, a you know, media bike following us the whole way. So I think like through the race, there was this sort of camaraderie built up. And then, yeah, afterwards, she was just like totally cool. Um, it wasn't me. He's just the party. Of course, it was Mark, my husband. Um, he rallied like half the field there, I think. Um, and then, yeah, just... Yeah, I think it's just, it's not Daniela specifically, it's like mutual respect, like uh, Laura was saying, within the female field, it's just a really cool environment. And for me, I don't know about everyone else, but I just see everybody, like when I have those hard sessions, I'm like, oh, well, Ruth would go swimming and fight, you know, she would do it, so I better do it. You know, that's sort of like, she's a better person at that moment in my head on that day. And that motivates me to go swimming. And then when we come to a race and we're racing each other and it's like, yeah, like I know how much work I've put in. Therefore I know how much work you've put in. So fair play. And, you know, and we're all within minutes of each other. So it's just, it's, you know, over eight or nine hours. It's ridiculous. So I think that's not, it's not just (laughs) Daniela and I, it's, it's everybody. It's like this sort of like, yeah mutual respect and the cool thing about triathlon is obviously it covers not just the females but it also switches across the male have the same mutual respect for the females as we do for them and I don't think you see that in many sports I think that's pretty cool and like with it with the you know when in, in what kind of sense cat would you say that 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 is evident that that the males have that respect as well I think you see it in training groups so not not only um we can talk about the PTO as the rankings as like a separate, like a secondary thing. But I think before that we see it in, um, in training groups, like we're cycling with the guys, you know, we're training in big groups, even at the ITU level. I think it's just this, it's yes, it's the work you put in, but it's actually, it's because the performance is so good. It's an endurance sport where women can perform just as well as men within the percentage of physiological difference. And I think we're just, we're actually getting closer. Like the women are getting closer to that, which is not, that doesn't happen. So even though we haven't got the depth, yeah, you can see the percentages getting closer. And that's what the PTO rankings are showing, for example, in St. George, where the women are scoring higher than the men again, because it's based off whatever it's based off. Um, but it's based off a percentage difference. And we're, we're, you know, bridging that gap, which is really cool to see in a lot of the races, especially the, the big races where we're seeing the top competitors racing against the top competitors. I love that. Sid, coming out of T2, you did actually have the biggest grin on your face and you were like waving and everything. Did the, um, like, I don't know, A, are you kind of conscious of that? And B, did that last very long? I wanted to give a high five to Joanne and Paul Kay who were in the stand. And then I realised the run course went in like an off in a different direction. So I'm like trying to like gadget, go, go gadget arms, like extend on the right to give Joanne and Paul a high five as we're like whisk, not whisked because it's all relative at that point. We're not really whisking anyway. Um, But as we're like taken off up to the left to the hill so no it was slightly delusional at that point um I think I was in a slight sort of amount so it was really funny we you came into t2 and it was in a tent and you went from this like brilliant sunshine 
to like suddenly this really dark tent with no lights, no nothing. And like I had to take my sunglasses, I couldn't see a thing. And you run through that and then you came out again into this bright sunlight and then you're on the run. And then I, really, I could see Joanne and Paul and that just gave me such a buzz. And it lasted for about 30 seconds. So I went around the corner and hit the hill and then I went, oh shit. Um, but no, it was just, I, I, I was so excited. And, and I listened to Joe and um, Joanne and Hillary's, Hillary's podcast this morning when I was running and it was such a buzz. But I was so excited to see Joanne on the mic out there and on Hot Corner. And I'm a massive fan of Paul Kay. I think he's a fantastic commentator as well. And I know how good a rapport they have. So I, I was just at that point, that gave me a buzz to getting on the run. And I was trying to high five them and failed miserably as we went up the hill the other direction. Did did anyone have a like a run that they were loving nearly all of it? Because I know Kat, we've heard, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay, in detail. Um, Ruth, Nikki, I know what was Ruth did. I was going to say Ruth must like that's going to be a pretty a pretty solid hit out for Ruth. Uh, I wasn't enjoying it. No. <laughs> I was very much suffering. But and I've had this discussion with a few people. If you pretend you're really enjoying it <laughs> and you smile a lot, everyone cheers you like so much more. So like and for, like for me, I take loads of energy from the crowd and from other people so like when I see other like every time I saw Kat and like part of it was like I was like I can see that she's not very happy and compared to like Tulsa where she had this massive grin on her face the whole run I was like oh okay but part of me was like thank god she's human she's struggling in the run too (laughs) it's not just easy going for her um but I was a bit like well you know I I can focus on like that for a bit and like give her a shout and not think about how much it's hurting me. Um, and the same with like some of the guys and, uh, and again, like going back to the point of mutual respect. Um, I think again, like some of them, like Chris Leiferman gave me like a cheer as we went past. And it's like literally, cause I've done like a couple of rides with him in Lanzarote. Like, I don't even know him like that well, but things like that, I think you see the respect. But yeah, for me, I I think I did a very good job of pretending I was really enjoying it. Whereas actually the first half of the run, my watch, well, my watch wasn't working the whole time. It kept telling me that I was doing six and a half minute Ks. And I was like, I better bloody not be. Otherwise I'm going to fucking go and lie down and <laughs> give up right now. But um, so I had no idea what pace I was running and I definitely went off way too fast, but uh I think like the first 10k was all right and I thought I was catching people so that felt better and then basically from like that first turnaround it just then got really hard but I was like well if I just keep pretending that it's all great and smile at all the crowds then maybe it'll go faster and I'm not sure it went any faster but at least I got lots of good cheers from people so that helped what about any anyone else because I think it's it's really intriguing like a lot of people now watching watching this, listening to this, will be like, oh, just my run, it falls apart. Like, how how do you get through that marathon when you are feeling so negative and you're feeling rubbish and everything hurts? Like, how do you get through it? Because it's a long way to go. You think about the nice wine <laughs> that's waiting at the end. <laughs> or just slash the relief of finishing. Or yeah, just if you go faster, you'll finish quicker. Doesn't always work like that, but <laughs> oh, that run was grim. I'm not gonna lie, and especially because my last experience at St George run, like I felt so good and easy on the run. So I was like, God, that and like that easy that the next day after the race, I went for like a two hour run, 
Um, cause it felt great. And then, so I was, I was in this space where I was like, this couldn't feel worse if it tried. <laughs> and then I was like, I literally the whole day made it every excuse you could think of under the sun to DNF. And then I started running and then you just know from where people are on the field, um, like you'd say like 80, I don't know, 70, 80% of guys, and, which I was looking at at the time, were not having the day they wanted, but they were still going. And I was like, right if they can do it I can do it um and kind of just like and then you started to see some of the other females and I was like okay they're still going um so I can still go and if you kind of like try and make it challenge you in a different way like because I I wasn't going to go any faster but I had to think of every single mental cue to get myself to that finish line um and I was like I am not not getting there even if I have to walk the last lap um so it's definitely for me just seeing people suffering on the course as well at the same time and they're still going so like I've got no reason to not get to that line so I'm gonna get there and then you just start thinking about afterwards I was like how would I feel if I woke up the next day for DNF versus you know getting to line even if it's not the result you wanted and then also like I was figuring it out and I was like I think every female is still on the course now so thank god I finished um <laughs> I wouldn't want us to be the only DNF and yeah, and just it's also like obviously just want to congratulate everyone on the call just because you can tell people are having a great day. Like, you know, you know, some people could have a better day or better splits or whatever, but you know, you could I could see everyone's having a great day. And that's amazing. Like, I tried to cheer them on as much as I could. And then I was like, I've come all the way to America, like Bex was there, her family was there, and I was like, I am getting to this line and I'm making this the race that I reflect back on and think and think you can't feel any worse than you did than St. George. So this weekend when I'm suffering, I'm going to reflect back saying, no, you're not suffering as much as you were in St. George. So that's going to be my referral for the rest of my career in a session or in a race. So that's what got and, me to the line. And Nikki, was, was Marbella 7.3, which is this weekend, was that always on the cards or has that been a sort of late decision? Um, so I'm on quite a few start lists at the moment. Um, only actually on three in the next seven weeks or something but that feels like a lot so yeah so i already want my world 70.3 slot uh, i've got big ambitions there this later on in the year and end of october uh so and we've only got to the third of july to qualify so i was like well i need to do one just in case i need a backup race and um i thought two weeks after an ironman i should be okay it's more the sleep if i had enough sleep and recovery from that jet lag hell um is my main question like some days I wake up and I'm like I am feeling amazing like I actually felt really good today but yesterday I felt like why am I here I need to go home <laughs> um so yeah so hopefully this weekend goes plan it was on the cards another 70.3 start line next weekend which I'm trying to persuade Bex to to allow me to go but she's going to Poland so she won't even know if I go <laughs> We have quite a few um, questions coming through. So these are like rapid fire questions. Um, so I'm going to go with Hillary. First of all, did you set out to win or did the result come as a surprise? Did the result surprise you or not? I don't think I set out to win. Definitely not. <laughs> um, I set out to to have a solid performance um, for myself. So I, it was my second time doing the full distance. Joanne, do you know that? <laughs> um, so that's insane, I, Hillary. It's my second time. <laughs> uh so yeah you know I didn't um I think when it's your second time doing it you're, you still are learning a lot and um, so I just wanted a solid performance and that's what I tried for um so it was paced 
um, comfortably, um, but I was still tired at the end. <laughs> Ronan has said, can Hillary challenge all the pro athletes to race up Crow Patrick? It is a fabulous mountain that Hillary goes doing all her hill repeats on. So I think we should challenge them all to come to Westport for an end of season party. What do you reckon, Hillary? Could you put them all up? I'd like to invite them, absolutely. Um, I don't know if I'd like to challenge them up it, though. <laughs> Unless I get a head start. <laughs> and, and Tristian Willis asks, uh, what do you as athletes at your level look for in a coach? Uh, he says, knowledge, experience is needed, but what is the main thing you need in your coach? Also, what advice would you give to a coach with the military background wanting to work with high-performance athletes? I think coaching is just about communication. Um, knowledge I guess you need uh, some degree of of that and and experience uh, depending on what level you are obviously the more elite you want to be the more knowledge maybe you need and uh, maybe more experience but I guess it's just a balance between all of them but it's generally the better coaches are the better communicators um, to get the best out of you and to understand your needs, your goals, what you want to do, um, how much time you have, especially as age groupers or people who have other demands, family, work, dogs, cats, you know, you name it. Um, and yeah, I think if you're looking for a coach, you've got to have that good relationship, that trust where you can say to them, I can't do this today or and not be scared to say it and understand yeah you both have got to have that shared goal of whatever that may be and understand each other Laura wants to come in there as well I think oh, I'm just going to say Fenella are you saying that because Billy's in the room with you just no, he's not here by your partner <laughs> I'm just no. wanting to clarify he's not here he, he <laughs> didn't want to hear us chat unfortunately <laughs> Uh, we have another question as well. Um, it, lots of research about female and male athletes being driven to compete by different factors, as Kat has described. Female community, camaraderie, female mutual support, which is very evident here. However, do you notice the difference between the energy they derive from each other compared to how the male athletes operate? I think it's probably quite hard for any of us to really answer that. Because I guess like we don't really see that male race as they're racing I think as a, a kind of like a high level outside view in it maybe seems like on the women's side we seem yeah. to be a lot more kind of supportive and kind of friendly whereas I think a lot of the men seem to thrive a bit more off kind of a bit more of the like smack talk and trying to build up a bit of hype around it and stuff whereas I don't think we see that that much on the on the women's side, like mainly because I think we would probably all feel a bit fake if we were doing it in the way some of the men do it. Because um, I think, you know, like I want everyone to have their best day and I want to beat them all on their best day. And I think most people would say the same. So to, so to start coming out with like weird smack talk of like, I'm going to destroy you on the bike or, you know, weird. I, it would feel really strange. So I think for me, I'd just say it feels like the women are maybe not fake about it. I think some of the male smack talk is a bit fake. I just adding to that, I think Ruth actually captured that perfectly. And I'm gonna, I wish this is recorded, isn't it? Because I want to go back and take that. So a discussion or a point I've had with the way the two genders are being promoted in the sport at the moment. 
Um, and there was a fantastic article off the back of the Winter Olympics. And I think it came out about the US Winter Olympics team about the women's side of the sport. And it was very much around like, yes, they wanted to compete for medals. Yes, they want to have their best performance. But ultimately, at the end of the day, they were so excited to see other women in their sport, in their discipline, in other sports, like just having an amazing race. And there was so much camaraderie around the women's side of the sport. And I feel a little bit like Ruth has said much more eloquently than I will that I know that a lot of fans love the smack talk that goes down by the men and they love seeing that. And I find that some organizations are trying to push that in the women's side. And I think, again, I'm speaking for myself. So please other women on here jump in. I feel that does feel very unnatural for the women and doesn't feel right. And I feel like we could have such a powerful engagement tool in the sport if we did this women supporting women yeah we all want to beat each other like come that race start yeah you know you want to beat the person you're competing against but at the end of the day you all actually have mutual respect for each other and it's very different I think on the women's side pre-race than than post-race and I would love to see some of those organizations like really pushing that to also get more women into the sport by seeing it's a really inclusive environment and it's a really inclusive atmosphere that actually women will support women in the sport and not have this like put down and, and smack talk. But that's a whole other argument and issue. And I'm going to get down off my soapbox now. <laughs> I'm not saying you're wrong, but do you think just putting out that, that, that it's very British of us to be like that? like possibly I think Americans yeah. or well, it's not American and it's not wrestling so no yeah more. like maybe or that I, I don't... even feel like it doesn't sit right with me because it's like okay like in your so I think and I'm gonna take the example and Kat's probably gonna find this embarrassing but like yeah. I thought the way that Kat spoke about her like ambitions yeah. and how she was feeling before the race was like perfect because it was like it was confident she knew her abilities but she wasn't like dissing anyone else whereas I feel like the men it's a bit like they're almost trying to like take other people down and it's like you don't you don't like you don't need to do that and I feel like it can come across a bit disrespectful and I don't I don't think they mean it in that way well I hope they don't mean it in that way but like I think and yeah maybe it is a bit British but like I just think it's a slightly more classy way of doing it to not be like tearing other people down or trying to be like I'm gonna smash your legs in or whatever however they say it like I can't even do it because I'm I, I don't agree with it <laughs> come on Ruth come on Ruth next time I'm gonna outrun you so much <laughs> when I get those new shoes <laughs> Um, okay, uh, Helen, have you a couple more questions there before we go back to some of our audience questions? Uh, yeah, one thing I would love to know is coming back to Hillary, actually, because I didn't give Hillary the best introduction. I just said, this is Hillary, really. But actually, Hillary is a really, really fascinating, amazing woman who happens to also be <laughs> a doctor as well as an incredibly talented athlete. Um, Hillary, how the, how the heck do you juggle everything? I don't know if I do. <laughs> well, I do. I don't know if I do very well. Um, I think that I, I think a lot of people at some stage throughout the sport will have to juggle um, everything or a lot of things. 
Um, it depends. I think you decide what you want to give the most priority to at the time. Um, and that does have to kind of get 60 to 70% of your time. And you just have to make your peace with that. At different times, I would have been all in on my work or my study um, and sport would have come second. And then um, at different times, I would have said, you know what, um, sport's going to get more priority now. And I'll, I'll try and keep tipping over 30, 40% um, with work and things like that as well. Um, but yeah, it's just about being smart and knowing not to spread yourself too thin um or else everything falls apart and um, which can happen anyway even with the best intentions um but yeah how did you cope with the idea because I feel like a lot of people listening will have the but this balance of work and triathlon and life like life how yeah. did you balance the idea of sacrificing some of your I guess achievement like or potential or or skill or whatever it is like doctor knowledge work life and then like to sort of say no I'm not going to be the best I can be at being a doctor right now because I want to try and be the best I can be at triathlon because that's 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 the balance I think people think oh I'm just going to try and turn pro but it's like there's always something else that you're probably giving up I think that's like really a hard decision it is a really hard decision especially um you know, it's not like you're guaranteed it's going to go well, <laughs> Do you know, um, and the only way that you have any chance of it going well is to give it its full attention or give it your full attention. I think anyway, um, I think that's your best chance in anything in life is to, if you really want it to go well, you do need to give it um, most of your time. So um, I think, you know, you have to kind of think long and hard about it and think about your whys um, and why you really want to do this and a little bit of future perspective as well, I think I had to work on. So, you know, how would I feel in 10 years time if I didn't try and get the most out of myself in sport now? And, you know, in six years time, could I potentially go back make my way up through medicine again it'll be really challenging because you know trying to maintain your skills and knowledge throughout that time isn't that easy especially if you're not in practice but I think you know uh, you, you have a good deep think yourself um, and you know ask for advice and um, look at you know chat to people around you maybe you have done something similar that's what I did um, <laughs> I'm, I'm, yeah I just want to pick up on that because I think you made some really really good points there especially about the having to give it your full attention um and I guess as another sort of perspective on it like loads of people when I was an age group were like oh how are you juggling it all etc like and I like I, I I kind of wasn't like I prioritized what I wanted to prioritize which was yeah. triathlon yeah. I gave up a lot of other things like I was literally working and training and that was it like I sacrificed relationships I didn't do much of like friendships like it's definitely a balance. Um, so I think, again, to other people that are maybe thinking of like, oh, it's so great. You can like be a good age grouper and then you can just drift into this pro-life. Like to your point exactly, like you are giving up a lot of other stuff before you even get there. But no. like, <laughs> get there, yeah. yeah. So I think like, yeah, Try. I just want to agree with you on like you, you definitely make that decision of what you give up. It's not just, oh, they're so brilliant. They've juggled everything. And like, I don't want people to think that, you can kind of have it all because like I don't think like I have way more balance now as a pro like way more balance um 
So yeah, just, you probably do have to make some sacrifices of stuff if you want to do that. Are you still, are you still working at all, Ruth, or have you decided to, you are doing some? Yeah, so yeah. you're balancing. Because they're super flexible, right? I'm doing yeah. like 14 hours a week across the week as I feel fit. I can do it whenever I want. So it's, and, yeah. Yeah. And and Kat, are you still, do you have any work, uh, military, corporate, not corporate, military commitments or... Uh, military military commitments are flexible. Um, physio is someone asked what I gave up. Um, I guess I've given up being a clinician. Um, whether that is all of physiotherapy, I'm I'm not convinced. But the day to day contact, helping people, helping ten people plus a day, chatting to them, learning about their lives, making a difference to other people hour by hour that's what I've given up and I guess I spent three years training to do that and four years practicing it and I love it it was so stressful and so hard and and I don't necessarily want to go back to that but I at the time I gave it up and I gave up the idea that I was going to be really good at physio and I struggled for the whole first year of this like but I'm not going to be the best physio ever because I'm useless because I'm only doing six hours a week. And oh, I'm, I'm like, even when the six hours a week, when I go into work, I'm like, you're still using notes because I've forgotten how to do something that I haven't seen because I haven't been in work for this. Like that was a real challenge. And then I sort of guess I just slowly transitioned away from it and to the idea that I, I can't be the best in the world at something and be a really excellent physio spending 40 hours a week at work like you can't do both and, and somebody like some like a, my boss in the army said that to me they were like you you have to just transfer where you put your excellence like you only have x amount of hours or x amount of attention and you have to just you know I guess just transfer it and I but I also think the cool thing about this sport is that it doesn't last forever it's some people will think that's a rubbish thing about the sport but it's it's not and it's a transitional phase that we will all go through and we'll all come out the other side age group and professional alike there'll be a stage I think for most people sure there'll be some people who don't give up ever but I, I plan on going sure yeah now. I plan on giving up but um <laughs> but yeah so there's there's it's always just a transition right it's just one phase of life so I don't know Ash, can I jump in there and just pick you up on one thing that you said about being the practical hands-on physio where you're not affecting people's lives on a daily basis, hour by hour. Can I just tell you that while you're sleeping, and in fact, while all of you are sleeping, you are inspiring the rest of us. So, you know, what you're doing at the pinnacle of the sport, being the ambassadors for triathlon and being so good at what you do and being so gracious about it as well, inspires us all to be the best that we can be. So, Please do take that from um, from today. And, and like we're so privileged to have you with us tonight and um, to have you in the sport and being the people that we can all look up to, whether we're age group athletes, whether we flit in and out of the sport or whether some people that are listening tonight, like I see Abby Conway is on uh, listening to us tonight. You know, she's an amazing young athlete from Westport, the same town as Hillary and has the potential to go all the way as well if she chooses to. So you guys are so inspiring for the rest of us. And I think Helen and probably everybody who's listening to me will agree. So please do take that. And um, that when you're sleeping, you are still inspiring us. Such a good point, Joanne. Such a good point. Honestly, very, very well said. And um, 
I do want to, there's a few more things um, that I definitely want to ask, but while everyone is here as well, and maybe it'll embarrass you now, Joanne, I don't know, but you have also basically made history. You were the first female announcer at an Ironman World Championships. The reason that I suggested doing this was to hear about you. So you can now (laughs) go on. Actually, congratulations, like really blooming well done. What was the highlight for you? Oh, like it, it, it's, I'm still pinching myself. It was just amazing. Like from start to finish, I think anybody who, who saw me knew I was just buzzing off the energy that it was to be there, to be part of the team, uh, the build up to it. Like we had a fantastic morning with Laura and Nikki and Julie Moss and Paula Newby Fraser for the women for try breakfast. You know, it was just fabulous. Then got to interview Dave Scott, Mark, Alan, Ben Hoffman, Julie Moss and the All World Athlete Breakfast. Iron Kids, Parade of Nations, a bus tour. I did a bus tour around Snow Canyon. Sure, I didn't know what I was talking about. A great fun. And then race day was just, I suppose I, I, I never expected to be on the finish line. It was never part of the plan as far as I knew. Um, I was going to be on the hot corner and the hot corner was where I could let rip and be the Joanne Murphy announcer, having the crack, seeing everybody out on the course and having fun. And I was telling Helen earlier today, you know, that at one stage when the pro men had gone through into the finish line, I'd been on the mic for hours, like a long, long time without taking a break. And they're like, oh, take a break. And I said, are you having a laugh? No way. All my friends are coming through now. All the girls are coming through. I am not moving until all these women are through into the finish line. That was very special. And seeing the reaction of, you know, the girls coming through the hot corner where, you know, they come in off the bike and go into T2, back out, back up the hill. And that roundabout, they had to go through it four times on the run course. For me, getting a reaction from the athletes, they're trying to do the high five or the high or whatever. It was just, it was just brilliant. And then as Hillary knows, a very special moment because I got to call her across the finish line. And that was something that we had both talked about. And I met Hillary at bike check-in and both of us were quite emotional at what we were about to do. And she kept saying to me, I can't wait to hear you call me down the finish line. And I didn't have the heart to tell her that like, I won't be on the finish line. So I was like, yeah, yeah, it's going to be awesome. Going to be awesome. So then the sheer goosebump moment for me was knowing how excited Hillary was at the thought of me being on the finish line and then actually being there. And then we both got really emotional after at the awards and stuff, because it's such a privilege. And yeah, it was, you know, I'm probably rambling now because I'm put on the spot, but it was so cool. And getting the little nod from Sid as she ran into the finish line, I think I got the nod from Kat or the smile or whatever. Um, and even from Ruth and Fenella and then Nikki, you know, I was tracking Nikki as well. And the lads were trying to say, go on, have a break. And I was like, no, I can't go. Nikki has to come in yet. No, like no way. So it was just so special to be part of it. And I don't think for a while it'll sink in of the importance of, of what it was. And it was great to be the first, as I said before, it comes with a huge amount of responsibility and you have to back yourself. And there's many a day where I'm sitting behind my laptop or I'm sitting in an interview and I'm like, oh, my God, I'm making an absolute hames this or I'm on a microphone and I've made a mistake and I'm totally questioning whether I should even be here. But, um, yeah, it was pretty cool. And uh, it's been amazing to be in the company of such great athletes over the years and to know that you guys were very supportive as well on the course and and giving me the lift I know we gave you a lift but you guys gave us a lift as well so it was super so I hope that answered your question but yeah it was awesome absolutely fantastic job and clearly fantastic job out there as well because you're going to be going to Kona as well aren't you 
I am actually going to Kona and I've just signed a contract as well that I will be at the Ironman 70.3 Phoenix. I'll be in California at the full distance and then I will be in Utah for the 70.3. So you're the first to hear it. Woohoo! <laughs> Look at all these cheers. <laughs> so I will actually be in the UK as well. I'm going to be doing all the UK and Ireland events, but then October I'll go to the States for a month and work with the team out there. So yeah, delighted and very excited. So Nikki Bartlett, you better qualify for the 70.3 Worlds. <laughs> No pressure. I know that's going to give me extra buzz on Sunday. <laughs> when, when it's really hurting, Nikki, you're not thinking about St. George and the hurt you have. You're like, oh, my God, Joanne will kill me if I don't qualify. <laughs> I could tell you in the moment by the finish line commentating because we were stood over the other side of the road shouting your name. Like, Joe, Joe, over here, Joe. And you couldn't hear us. Um, Joanne, uh, John has a question for you, which is, have you got a special secret which allows you to retain your voice for 10 hours? Irish whiskey isn't it (laughs) um I don't actually really just drinking lots of fluids and just like an athlete has to fuel for the day you just have to fuel and you take your breaks when you get them you take the chance to not speak but then that's very hard because you do get overexcited um have to keep the voice intact you are protecting it a bit Uh, yeah it's just you know you just keep going and and it's more than 10 hours 10 hours is only short we were awake for 24 hours, I think, on uh, on race day. So, um, yeah, so it's good. Uh, wine is actually not bad as medicinal. Well, I have a dilemma because my fluids is empty. What's the dilemma? What to put in next? I was on some Welsh gin that somebody bought me very kindly. <laughs> Helen, Rich. I've got a, another question going back to um, sort of World Championship stuff. How much did you miss having Lucy Charles Barkley in that race and how much are you looking forward to Kona with hopefully a fully fit Lucy Charles Barkley? I, I'm going to say this and I'm probably going to offend a lot of people. Not at all because I think Kat rocked it and I'm super excited to see that the British triathlon in the women's side of the sport is not just about Lucy Charles Barkley. I'm sorry to Lucy Charles Barkley fans, but I think we have a fantastic talent of female athletes that should be competing at the best. They are competing at the best. They're competing with the best and they deserve the recognition. I respect Lucy and I respect everything she's achieved and what she is capable of. But I think Kat, Ruth, Fenella, Nikki, um, who else that wasn't racing and had to pull out from the British side of things, no, I'm the old person. I'm retiring. Um, but I just think the British women, and it's short course as well, not just not just long course, short course as well. The British women deserve more recognition and more appreciation. And it's not all about Lucy Charles Barkley. And I'm now going to fill up my gin. <laughs> you know, I think everyone, like you never want to see someone not make the start line because they're injured or ill. And there were obviously a lot of cases of that. And you know, you want to race the best people and you want to beat the best people. So I think from that perspective, you want everyone there so that you have the chance to race them and beat them. But also on the other hand, when Lucy's not there, it's obviously a very different race in terms of you don't have someone miles off the front that's off the front for ages, um, which definitely I'm sure changes the dynamic a little bit. Um, from like, as my experience of the race... Like for me personally, it probably wouldn't have really changed very much 
at all. Like we had a really good group of Brits and other people out there, which made it really fun as a whole, like a whole experience. Um, so yeah, I think it's just, it's always just, I guess, frustrating in some ways when you think you have the opportunity to race everyone and people for whatever reason can't make it. So I think that's probably more the kind of the the disappointment and not having everybody there. But as other people have also said, you know, that is part of the challenge of a world champs, getting yourself to the start line fit and healthy. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, Lucy is back for uh, for Kona and we have even more Brits out there and uh, get even more Brits in the top 10. And Ruth and Kat, I want to finish with you too, because you are both involved in the sub eight. Clearly Kat, you are sort of the, um, I don't know, like the, the main headline and, and Ruth, you are part of the support team. Thoughts on that? How are you, how are you feeling about that? I'm mainly just super happy. I don't have to run another marathon in two weeks. <laughs> um, like literally, honestly, with like Fenella and Nikki, I honestly have no idea how you're doing this soon. Uh, I have all the respect for you. Uh, I've literally, like I've had my dad take me on like four hour hikes, which have been more than hard enough. <laughs> um, so yeah, I like really excited for the week. I think we've got like a really good, balanced, fun enthusiastic group of women that are trying to help Kat do this so it's going to just be actually a really fun week so there's loads of people that are going to be out there and I think the whole atmosphere the build-up all of it is going to just be a really great experience um and I also just think that I can't wait to see how Kat does I think actually seeing how Kat runs a fresh marathon I say fresh because I mean obviously I'm going to give her so much draft as she sits on my wheel (laughs) um but yeah I think uh getting the opportunity to see Kat do her thing without having to worry about racing her is going to be a really cool experience so I'm super excited thanks Ruth and thank you for being part of sub eight um Laura says how did I choose the paces uh so (laughs) had a very short window of being like yeah I think I can do this and they're like cool can you get a team together and I was like yeah they were like okay prove it um mark and i actually discussed this maybe six months ago like ages ago we were discussing like who if you you know if you were to do it who would you who would you have do it and we already said like we're in a super unique position where i've got experience in the british or like national time trialing scene like i i've raced against a lot of those girls who are the top amateurs in the country and like i know their perform therefore you know their performance level it's not it's not sort of like, oh, they're the best, so cool, we'll pick them. Like, I know that they are, like, at, practiced at time trialing, and a lot of them are team time trialing. So, like, the other thing is we've got, always got to consider the risk. They're used to it. They've got the skills. We don't. So, to cycle in a group, my biggest concern was, like, the risk and and what if we crash? I'm still a, not telling Ruth, but, like, I'm still a bit concerned That's about my it. biggest fear. <laughs> I've got to protect you. So, That's, like, honestly, my biggest fear is that I've got to be that steady wheel to make sure you don't crash yeah. and I don't crash in front of you and that that really will be our biggest challenge um but again like the risk has been hopefully mitigated by the fact that we're going to work in smaller groups in a way tbc and they're going to be they're going to practice together so because of the world champs because of the timing we haven't got together we've got five days um all together on the track which is obviously going to accelerate any um learning and team skill practice before the race uh, with exclusive access and basically unlimited sort of facilities and support so it's going to be a very vip quick learning experience um so yeah 
how did I pick them? It wasn't down to their height. No, which is some Twitter nonsense. It was down to power. And as somebody else brought out um, earlier about uh, Fenella was talking about coaching, it's down to communication, I think. I think, again, the, the biggest risk to going at that high speed is not communicating well enough. So that's, we've got, we've just got radio sorted, um, which Mark and I have been practicing around the house, which would be quite funny. Um, so yeah, it should be quite, I'm like really looking forward to it. And the, yeah, the marathon, um, goodness, I did two times five minutes today at marathon pace and I, I was feeling a bit dizzy. So I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> awesome. Good luck to the both of you. Um, Joanne, I think I have finished asking loads of questions so um, you can pick up. <laughs> Thank you so much, Helen, for asking all those fabulous questions and to all of our attendees for joining us. We had a partnership with Newestand, the skincare and body care brand from Galway, who have offered us a 20% discount on their products, which you can find on www.newestand.com. Use the code TRICOMMUTE to get 20% off. Thank you to our superstar guests, Hilary Hughes, Vanilla Langridge, Ruth Astle, Kat Matthews, Nikki Bartlett and Laura Siddle for joining us. So there you have it. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it on social media, tell a friend and check out TryTalkingSport.com and InsideTryShow.com for more of the same. We also both have newsletters where you can keep up to date with what we are up to and hear about future TriCommutes. You'll find everything you need to know over at TryTalkingSport or at InsideTryShow across all of the socials. And I mean all of the socials. Helen, thanks for bringing the fun to the party. It's been a blast. And I'm already counting down to working with you again sometime soon. Too early for wine? (laughs) It's never too early for wine, Joanne. So thank you so, so much. And honestly, I cannot wait till the next time.